Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of Millennials Anonymous Podcast. Yes, it is your girl, Lise Winnie here, and I'm a fucking millennial. So let's get this party started right in quickly, but before I can do that, gotta give a big shout out. Gotta give a big shout out to all the papas out there, all the dads that wasn't a Rolling Stone, that didn't go to the store to get a pack of cigarettes and never came back. Like, I wanna give a big shout out to all of them dads. The real papas, the real paws, the real papas, the poppies, granddads, all the dads, anybody, dad, father, any, all of y'all. I want to give a big shout out. Happy Father's Day. Happy Father's Day to my two co-hosts on Brunching as well, to Eat Digger and to the guru. They held it down on Father's Day. We did a show on Father's Day. We had a really good time, so make sure you tune in to Brunching. So happy Father's Day to them. Happy Father's Day to my husband. Happy Father's Day to all of the men that are in my life. So happy Father's Day to everybody. And happy Father's Day to the mamas. I've seen a couple. Happy Father's Day to the mamas, the single mamas, the baby mamas that's out there celebrating Father's Day too. Um, I want to give, uh, or also, let me say also because my grandmother will pop on here. Like, what did I tell you about that? Um, also, happy Father's Day to you. Okay, I get it. You you say I, I play two roles. I'm, I'm going to get me my flowers on Mother's Day and I'm going to get me my towel on Father's Day. I want both. I want both. I get you. I get you. I mean, I wouldn't necessarily say, and we had this discussion on brunch, and I wouldn't necessarily say you a dad at two, but I think you should be able to celebrate whatever you want. However, I would just say you were just a great mom, a dope-ass mom. But if you want to be a dad on the same day and then turn around a month later, you, you want to be a mom and then turn around a month later and be a dad too, we, I'm okay with that. All right? So we could celebrate you two times. If the kids want to celebrate you two times, let's celebrate you two times, baby. We can celebrate you every day, which is what we should be doing. If you got some bomb-ass parents, you should be celebrating with them every goddamn day. And what I will say is this year, big shout-out to the kids, okay? Big shout-out to the kids because usually don't nobody really be giving a damn about daddy. Nobody give a damn about daddy, but this year, people did give a damn about daddy. Because when I went in the store, I guess it's the quarantine, the COVID got y'all in the house contemplating in y'all feelings, and you in the house bored, and you bored in the house. Because y'all went out in droves to get daddy stuff. And the cards in the store was gone. All the American greetings was gone. All the American greeting cards was gone. All the American greeting cards was gone. All the Canadian greeting cards was gone. All the African greeting cards was gone. All the cards was gone. Y'all, y'all had got all the cars in the giant, in, in the supermarket, in the Walmart, in the Walgreens. Like, y'all really stood up for daddy. Y'all stood up. I don't know if it's because Juneteenth had just passed, but y'all stood up for the daddies. And we appreciate y'all for that. So, happy Father's Day to all the dads and mentors and father figures in people's lives. Shout out to y'all. And and rest in peace to my grandfather, who was my father figure in my life. So, rest in peace to Robert Johnson Sr. Alright, so let's get into these top 10 trending topics of the week. Alright, so the queen is back. Yes, she has new music out. Beyonce, King Bay has a new song out called Black Parade. Now, I will say, I'm not going to get demoted. I told you, I got I got upgraded to silver. Okay, from bronze to silver. And I'm not going to get demoted for nobody. But what I will say, this is what I will say. It wasn't necessarily, I, I had to, I got to listen to it again. Okay, because I appreciate Beyonce. Because now we got an anthem for Juneteenth. We have an anthem for Juneteenth written I'm going to say written. I don't know. I don't know if it's written. But we're going to say written and performed by the Queen Bay. Okay? But I don't know about it. Because it was not. It was, The beats per minute, I was confused. Because, you know, like some of the, the stuff that we got. Like the Negro National Anthem. It's kind of slow. And it it's not really fast. You know, where you could be like excited and stuff. It's like in the middle. So, it wasn't where you could do a full swing your arm back like completely like caribbean or african dance moves like we couldn't do that but we also couldn't do a two-step because it's a little too fast for that so we just got out you know you put your fist out you know you push your fist out forward and back like we just pumping we just pumping our chest like we just did we just pumping our chest and i'm like i don't know if this is what gets me in the mood for the for the parade um for the black parade I, I i don't i don't know um so i'm gonna listen to it again maybe i need to read the words because i might like it 
I might like it. You know, sometimes you got to hear a song more than once. You got to hear it once or twice or four, five, six times before you like it. I think that's what's going to happen. I think that's what's going to happen. Because I did hear the tail end of it when I was in the car on the radio. And I was like, okay, all right, maybe, maybe. But shout out to Beyonce for, for making us an anthem for Juneteenth. And a white man goes viral because he pushed his way into the Walmart. Because he didn't have a mask on. And they said, no mask, no entry. And I want to give a big shout out to Tony Baker. Because it was absolutely hilarious. He did a video. And he did the guy pushing his way in there. And he skid that diddly deed. And that was one of the funniest things I had seen all day. So shout out to Tony Baker out there. Uh, He also got uh, cussed out. uh, Yeah. On live by Teddy Riley. um, During the Juneteenth. It was was on Juneteenth. Juneteenth. Yeah, Teddy Riley called him broke um, on the live for the Juneteenth. And I was like, okay, um, this is supposed to be for the black people, loving black people. And he just called you broke. I, I don't I don't know what happened with that. And it all started because he said he didn't want the spirit of Teddy Riley to come and mess up the sound. Because the sound quality on that versus was amazing. You know, it was absolutely amazing. And I loved the music that, from both of them. You can't go wrong with the music from Alicia Keys. And John Legend. Like, you just you just can't go wrong with that. And I will say, this is a sidebar. Because I was talking about the man, the white man, in Walmart. But this is a sidebar to a sidebar. That was a, that was a dope-ass. I will give that to Swiss. And it was really cute to see him really in there, bigging up his wife. Um, and I was, you know, I was rooting, pulling for John Legend. But to be totally honest with you, it's a, it's a win for the culture. So let's not, nah, I ain't gonna, nah, I'm not gonna do that. But shout out to them because that was amazing. But this white man, let's go back to him, in the Walmart. Now, this is what you do. Listen, Walmart employees, don't be putting your life at line for that man. Don't be touching him. You don't know what he got. If he's walking around without protection on, that's like, you know, he is like the prostitute of the airways. You don't know what he got. You got to protect yourself when you getting up in there. You know what I mean? When you are up in there with him because he's just out there reckless in these streets. This is what you do, okay? You that you tell everybody don't be near him. Make him like a pariah, right? You know, he'd be like a pariah. Or you can have that really weird person that really like to get close to people. Let them just stand real close to him like that lady that came to the store and almost put her head on my shoulder. Like let let him let them people do that to him a couple times. And then let him buy all his shit. Okay? Everything. Everything. Q tips, ev- chips, everything. Let him put each item on the belt. And when he put it on the belt, don't ring him up. That's what you do. You just, you don't ring him up. Just walk away. Just walk away. Say, I can't be close to you. You, you got germs and I don't got no mask on. And you just, even if he get a big ass TV, don't even get him a cart. Let him, let him carry that shit from the back of the store to the front of the store. And then say, you can't. And you got to push that shit back where you got it from. Just, that's what you do. Don't be pushing. Don't be touching. No, we can't have that. We can't have that. And speaking of white privilege, somebody took it upon themselves to put a noose in Bubba Wallace garage. And we were just bigging up Bubba Wallace last week for standing up for the racism that has perpetuated through NASCAR and having a Black Lives Matter car that he raced in and the I Can't Breathe mask and outfit. So he really was doing the damn thing. And he found a noose. And I'm pretty sure this is not the first time that he's experienced racism in the NASCAR world. NASCAR tends to be a Southern thing. Like I said, I can't watch you throw that car in a circle. Like I can't. That's just not for me. But some people love that. It's a Southern thing. And the Southern roots with racism is deep ball. Like when I you see people with them Confederate flags. And now that we taking down all the Confederate flags, we don't know who the races are. You know what I mean? So it's like, oh. I don't know about this now. I don't know. But the NASCAR Association Correlation, I don't know what you call them, said that they are going to investigate this. So hopefully they find out who did it and they get fired. And according to babynames.com, speaking of white people, the name Karen, the name Karen as a baby name has dropped 75%. Now, Karen's listen and they said that the name karen was most popular between 1938 and 1968 so most karen people named karen are around in that age bracket which makes sense that's the perfect age for karen which means that if we keep this going 
we can eradicate Karens in the next 40 years. So there won't be no more Karens in the next 40 years. We could eradicate it. Now, Karen has a baby name. I don't think that's a baby name, though. That's like a 38-year-old woman in HR. Like, it's not really, Karen is not a baby name. But I do want to give a big shout out to all the dope ass Karens. All the Karens is really dope ass people that got to deal with this shit because of a couple fucked up people named Karen. So I want to I want to give I want I want to do this. I want to give a big shout out to them because we got a Karen who's a friend to the show like Miss Wendy say. We got a Karen. Karen L. Shout out to her. Watch and listen to Say It Loud podcast on all major podcasting platforms because she's dope as well. So shout out to the good Karen. We, we still appreciate y'all And DJ Khaled left his house in a full hazmat suit To go to the dentist according to Hip Hop DX I'm not, I'm not mad at it I'm not mad at it I'm saying listen Another one I just need you to send me another one So that I can go out I don't trust nobody If you standing too close to me in the streets I don't even fuck with my extended family like that Like if I ain't seen you We just ain't gonna see each other Till after this got a vaccine Like that's just Google Skype mm-hmm, Google Skype that's not even together, but that's what we gonna do. We gonna Google Skype. Mm-mm, mm-mm. I don't, I don't trust that. I don't do that. If you too close to me in the store, we we got a problem. So send me another one. Thank you, DJ Cali. You the best. And J Cole is under fire for writing a song about the rapper No Name in his most recent release of Snow on the Bluff. Basically how this beef got started. They're both really big into activism and uh, moving the forward the culture of black people and they're really big in that. But No Name had called out of the rap. She didn't call it anybody by name, but she called out rappers, popular rappers for not pushing the, the Black Lives Matter movement forward. And J. Cole must have felt some kind of way. He got in his feelings. His dreads got a little. He, he, he was feeling like, okay. And he could feel it in his dreads as she was talking about him. And so that's what he had said in his song. And so basically, he came back and he, he was saying, she's talking about me. Now, when I read the lyrics, I didn't see it necessarily being like a shots fired. I, I mean, maybe, I, I don't know. Maybe I can't read well. But I just didn't see a shots fired there. But I think this is why our movement can't move forward because we're so busy worrying about other people and how other people are moving and we're not really worrying about us. If the person don't want to be in your movement, maybe they shouldn't be in your movement. If they're going to take away from the momentum of the movement, you don't need them in your movement. Just you keep going. You keep doing the damn thing and moving forward. And trust me, people will fall in line and they will fall in suit and the right people will come to your movement. That's all you got to do, baby. That's all you got to do. And Ivanka and Jared are pissed at their campaign manager or Trump's campaign manager over the crowd side prediction. They say he, it was like, you know, when a man tell you, you got a big one and he really got a little one. That's kind of what happened. And so basically they said that a million people were going to show up to the shit and they expected a hundred, a million people registered to the shit and they expected a hundred thousand people to show up to the shit. But that's not what happened. Only 6,200 people showed up according to the fire department there in Tulsa. And they mad. They mad in a motherfucker. But listen, he could have did this shit over Google Skype. Like, we, we didn't need him to say this controversial bullshit in, in Tulsa, putting people's lives at risk. You already got six motherfuckers already sick. And they was on the campaign. You out there, you the human outbreak monkey. And we don't like it. We need you to go sit down. You you have not done more for black people. L- listen, did you pass the, the Voter Rights Act 1965? Did you? Did you sign the Emancipation Proclamation? No. Go sit the hell down. Go sit down before you slip down that goddamn ramp. That's all I'm saying. Like, go, and I've never seen anybody drink water like that. Um he drinks water like a hamster like you, you give or you give a hamster a cup and they never they don't know what to do with it but they want to drink it um he he drink it like that or or like a little like a little elf little elf then the cup too big and so they hold it so dainty and they that's how he drink water like i, I don't i don't want a president that drink water like that don't know like he literally drinks water like he's never held a cup in his life and he don't know what to do with the water like i i no mm-mm. we cannot pass go we cannot collect two hundred dollars this this is it's over it's done we done we're done we're done we're done and according to market watch the most popular father's day gifts in past history happen to be electronic gadgets or tablets clothes electronic gadgets number one clothing number two 
Gift cards was number three. Home improvement and gardening tools was number four. Sporting goods was number five. And personal care items six. And automotive accessories is number seven. Which makes sense because dads are expensive. Because men are expensive as hell. Like men can't get away with the cheap stuff that women can get away with. They, they got You got to spend money. And that's why I don't like shopping for men. I'm just saying. And Retox Magazine had a study that showed that men were more likely to help women with long hair. Long flowing hair. And they were less likely to help women whose hair were either, they had three types of simulations. The woman had her hair out, the woman had her hair in a ponytail, and the woman had her hair in a bun. And they were more likely to help the woman who had her hair out. They said that having your hair out long and flowing is more seductive and is more attractive to men. I don't know. This is why you keep your Nicki Minaj wig in the car. Just keep it in the car just in case you need somebody to help you carry your your stuff to the car. I, I don't know. And mask might be here to stay. Yes. Mask might be here to stay. So we're going to have masked hands on our faces. Because here's what scientists found. They found that the virus spreads faster. Not spreads. It spreads faster in your nostrils. Duplicating almost instantly. So it actually spreads faster in your nostrils than it does in your lungs. So if we can keep it out of your nostrils, we can keep the spread from going forth. So now that you know, masks are here for a long time. And this is why if you're like me and you keep forgetting your mask and you got to run back to the car, keep doing that because masks are here to stay. And if you're not wearing a goddamn mask, you need your ass beat. And this has been your top 10 trending topics of the week. Alright, so let's get into it. Let's start it off with the dads. So we talked a little bit about dads in the beginning. And we're going to talk about the impact of dads. And I think that I I did a special that aired. No one watched it really. But I did a special that aired on dads. Um, And basically, I did a lot of research. And so I was able to find the impacts of fathers. Some of the stuff that I already knew. But uh, some of the stuff was was stuff that was eye-opening. And... I think that there was a misconception at some point that dads didn't really matter. And I think it was around the time when I was growing up. Because when I was growing up, there was a lot of people that didn't have dads in their homes. I know that when I asked the men, did did they think the role of dad changed? And a lot of them said no. And I don't necessarily agree with that notion. Because when, like I said, when I said that dads were not in the home, I think the no misnomer that you can leave your kid and your kid will turn out just fine because they have a mom or a strong female figure was kind of the norm. I think people figured that it was fine. You know, if I can't contribute to my kid's life in a way that can be impactful, then I'm not necessary. I'm not needed. I can move on. It's a little girl. I don't need to be in the lives of a little girl. And, you know, she has her mom. I can just leave. And I I feel like that's kind of was the thought process back in the 80s and 90s with a lot of these dads and that you if you had a strong person that was going to raise the kid that was enough and so I think that that also that theory that dads didn't matter has shifted I think we've seen the statistics that showed it it shifted and I think because a lot of older set millennials grew up in households without dads they didn't want to continue the cycle they didn't want to have a household without a dad and when I talked to a lot of millennial guys that's what they said like I didn't have my dad growing up I didn't want my children to not have a father either I didn't want the cycle to continue whereas if you talk to men back in the day it was like my father who wasn't in my life it was like I didn't really know how to be in your life and it was, it was a lot of excuses there's still men now that are trash that leave a lot of excuses. I mean, there are women that are trash too. They're trash moms and trash dads. But you have less of that excuses. Like, of oh, I, I can't be in the kid life and I, I got to work on myself. You have less of the trash out there. So it's definitely shifting. And I think the role has shifted because the way that men interact with children have shifted. Like, when... We used to be back in the day, dads kind of took up, like they were providers, like with, even with my grandfather, he was a provider, you know, he provided the household, he provided the food, he made sure that we wanted for nothing, but when it came to really like doing homework and sitting with us and having these deep and rooted conversations and really uh, 
saying it's okay to cry and having this emotional aspect of them that's not what dads were back then so this has shifted dads are these more emotional people now where you are more sensitive they're not saying oh boys don't cry you don't hear that as much as you used to boys should cry men should cry you should not hold in emotion hold held or pent in emotion is just going to make you angry and it's going to make you bitter this is changing so this is why when i say the role of dads changed it has i think we have gotten rid of a lot of that toxic masculinity because you have to realize the way that we viewed men has changed if the roles of dads didn't if it stayed the same so would the perception of men and that's why i think it has evolved you see dads that are stay-at-home dads now and it's rising you have more and more stay-at-home dads than we've ever had before and it's okay that the mom is the provider and the dad is the caregiver. So what I said is that the shift changed from provider to caregiver. When you ask people about your daddy, the number one thing people say is he was a great provider. Sometimes that's the only thing they can say. But that's not what dads are now. It's really evolved to the point where dads are more than just a provider. They are a caregiver. They can even be like a companion, your best friend in a lot of cases where you're talking to them. You're having these really deep rooted, deep seated conversations. Dads are cooking dinner. You know, <laughs> dads are some dads that I know that the mother doesn't cook dinner at all. It's just the dad that cooks dinner. You have the dads that cook dinner. You have the dads that clean up. You have the dads that are there at the recitals. You have the dance recitals. You have dads that are participating in the dance recitals. You have dads that are doing hair. You have dad. So it, it's just shifted. So dads are extremely important, but there's this misconception that if you don't have a dad, the man is not a whole man and he won't grow up to be a great man or the woman won't grow up to be a whole woman or she won't be a great woman. And that's not true. It The outcomes are more consistent and steady if you have both parents in your home, but it's not necessarily that you cannot be successful. And in what I found was, is that they said that we tend to put that harshness on back on the mother. You know, if the man is not in the house and somehow the mother is doing something wrong or has some weight to play in that. And we can't do that either. There are some moms that are doing their damn best to make sure that the child is able to connect with the father. And for whatever reason, the father doesn't want any parts of the child. It happens all the time. So we, we can't take away the work, especially since sometimes dads are not in the child's life, not out of their own doing. Sometimes people's fathers pass away. My grandfather passed away when I was 10. And just because somebody passes away or uh, something happens to them doesn't mean that you still can't be a whole person and that your mother cannot raise you to be exceptional and you won't go to college and get several degrees. I did it. I have degrees on my wall. So I, I want to make that clear as well. So if you're listening to this, I don't want it to sound like that's what it is because it's not but dads and male figures i think they do they make a lot of difference in the child's life we see it in the statistics they said that a child is less likely to go to prison or be in the criminal justice system if the dad is in the home the child is more likely to graduate from high school women who are more likely to graduate from high school and college and they talked to it was a bunch of different female executives and 95 percent of them said the reason why they were so good in their role and they felt like they were able to really push themselves into these executive positions is because they had a male figure in their formative years so we do have stats that show that you know your self-esteem is higher you have less instances of depression and it just we just have the data the data is out on it that having both sets of parents in your life can make a difference and if you don't have your parents in your life you just need to make sure that whoever your guardian is it's really how they treat the absence so if they treat the absence as if it's something that will be a barrier for you then it will be a barrier for you but if they treat the absence and they fill it with more love and more understanding and more people in your life, because like I said, it takes a village to raise a child. So the more people you have in your child's life, make sure they safe though. The more people you have in your child's life, the better the child will become. So the more diversity we can get, the better. That's all I'm saying. And happy Father's Day again. 
right, so let's talk about it. So, I want to talk about, so we had an interview on brunching, and it was from the founders of the 10K Project, which I highly recommend you go look it up, the 10K Project. There's a, a misnomer, let me say that, that black businesses very rarely research and prepare. And what happens is they don't expect to succeed. So what you get is, and especially you've seen it, I've seen it so many times recently because I'm in this new group on Facebook where it's a bunch of just black businesses and you can buy black. And what happened is they put out the call to action. Like let's say they own a catering company, right? Or not a catering company, but a food company. They make food and they put it out there that they make food and they show the food the food looks amazing and they're saying that they need more business so call to action out people buy it and then you get this message oh I wasn't expecting to have as much business I still have a full-time job I can't fulfill all these orders I'm working on it because I still make this stuff when I get off from work so I'm gonna try to make sure that I, I can you know help you later you know when I'm prepared you cannot do that because you will lose customers. No one is going to sit around and wait for you to get your shit together. I'm gonna go somewhere else. If you are gonna put a call to action out there, make sure you can fulfill it. I've seen this more and more and more and more and more than I would like. And it, and I'm tired of people saying that black businesses, this, this, this thing that black businesses have bad customer service. And I think maybe a small portion is bad customer service, but I think a majority of it is not necessarily bad customer service. It's that they are not prepared. They are undermanned, understaffed, and unknown. And so when they don't know, they don't know how to react to it. They don't know how to deal with it. And then you put out this call to action. You start this whole store and you're not prepared for it to actually work. You can't have that happen because you will lose business. The reason why I'm I think we don't hear this as much about white businesses because I've gone in white establishments when I got bad customer service, trust and believe. And there have been times that I didn't go back into the small white business because my customer service there was so shitty that I didn't go back in there. And I think the reason why is one, there's more white businesses. So you have more to choose from. You have more options. So if this place, if I go into this particular uh, barbecue spot and the customer service with the white people was shitty, I can literally probably drive five miles down the street and find another white owned barbecue spot. Not the same for black people. So your options are less. So you're more likely to go somewhere else. And it's probably going to be to a white establishment. So this is why we have to be very, very careful about how we put our business out there. And this is why I like to see stuff like the 10K Project because it's helping people be able to prepare. And then you saw, like, I used to be in a nonprofit industry. I just want to make it very clear that we have to be very careful. And you see when people get, like she even talked about this, when they get grants and then they get the money and then they don't know what to do with the money. There was this big grant that happened and they were giving it out to mostly African-American nonprofits and they did not know what to do with the money. They weren't prepared for it. They didn't know how to handle it. They didn't, it, it just, it was a mess. And it shouldn't be that way. And it's not anything wrong with the people. Cause like I said, I've been in business. I've been in nonprofits. I've made all the mistakes you could make on both sides. So I'm not talking for looking down on anyone. I'm talking to you from a place of experience. I've been there. I've done that. And I've seen it happen where you get this money, you get this stuff, you get this grant, you get this contract, and you have absolutely no idea what to do with it. And the thing that she mentioned, the founder of the 10K Project, that was stood out to me the most was, it's not who you know, but who knows you. And I always tell you, it's about who you know. You got to connect to all the right people. But she's actually, she is right. She is more right. Because if I know you, but you don't know me, it doesn't matter that I know you. The only way that it matters is if people know you. And this is what I've seen when I was in the nonprofit industry. It wasn't that the money was given to the best nonprofits. It wasn't that it was given to the best people. It was given to the people 
that people knew. So when it came down time for them to give money out, because I've seen them give money to some of the flightiest people around, and they gave the money to them because people knew them. It's about who knows you. And so we need to make sure that in black business, we are elevating them to one, get the education that they need. You, If you are a black business, black business owner, make sure you get the education. And I'm not saying pay for it. You don't have, there's education out there that is free. Like everything you ever need to know about anything is out there in the world. It's free. All you have to do is find it. The reason why people charge you for this information is because sometimes they lived it, but most of the times they go find information, they do the hard work for you and they package it in a pretty bow. That That's what they're doing. You can do that too. You can go find the information. You can go find it. Go find the information because to be totally honest with you, one of the ways forward for the black community, in my opinion, is through enterprise. It is through ownership. It is through creating wealth. It is through jobs. It is through creating businesses, shops, working with each other, collaborations. That is what is going to move it forward. As far as I can see, probably in my lifetime, we are not going to shift away from capitalism into socialism, which I've seen and heard people say, it's just not going to happen. You're never going to see not even black billionaires and millionaires give up their wealth to you. It ain't going to happen. The only way you can truly force it, the business, the area of business, because you will shift it. So instead of the money all going to these monopolies, which a lot of the times the monopolies, because it's just they're so big, they get to eat up all the little guys. But if all the little guys came together, now you're going to make this big guy share. Because without doing that and creating these other places for people to go, without creating other, like, so if you live in a neighborhood and you got small businesses, they don't carry anything that you need or they don't have it, you're going to go to the Walmart. You just are. Walmart is cheaper. And if you don't have a lot of money, you're you're not going to, I'm not going to spend $20 on, you know, a pack of plates over in this store when I can spend two. Like, that just makes sense. But if we are able to find a way we can partner together, we can get those costs down where we don't have to charge $20 and you can start to make these people who have all the money share. So the more competition they have, the more it's going to be spread out. So now you have people have more options. So if I have a shitty experience in Walmart, I don't got to go to Walmart. I can go to, I don't know, the Williams store down the street. Like, I I don't have to go there. I have options now. This is what we need to do. This is what I feel we need to do in order to move forward. Because once we have money behind our names, we now can move mountains. Because now they know, not only does the black dollar have over a trillion dollars in power, that black dollar is circulating. It's moving. It's growing. So if the government doesn't want to move, they don't want to fix our schools, fuck it. We got money. We fix our own goddamn schools. This is the rotation that needs to happen. If we can do that, we can start to move forward. Now, I'm not saying we do still need to hold the government accountable. Government still needs to be held accountable. We need more black people in in the government and we need more diversity. But what I'm saying is, is if you don't like what's happening, you have to be able to have some levels of alternative for them to actually say, wait a minute. If you have that, they will start to listen. Trust me, they will listen. Because a lot of the times when you look at the other communities, that's how it happens. Yeah, their property taxes are higher, so they get more money to wrote through their schools to pay their teachers higher salaries but you also see a level of parental engagement in those schools that you don't see in the black community them parents is out there fundraising they are out there bake selling they are doing all of that and so that's what i'm saying if we can get it to the point where more people are enterprised and more people understand the value of creating wealth and businesses We can really truly make it an effort. We can make it grow. We just have to make sure that as black business owners, we are coming correct. And this is why programs like the 10K Project matter. 
because if you're doing anything that you do can be made into a way for you to create income it's great to have hobbies but sometimes those hobbies can become money if you learn how to facilitate it correctly and you just need to know the right people and talking to them so that they can in turn know you so just don't have people in your timeline on linkedin talk to them make sure they know you so when stuff does happen and things do come up they can say oh well i know a person that does x y and z oh i know i know a person so that you are able to be there and then make sure you have a good backing behind you so that if the person gives you the opportunity, because just getting the out, and that's another issue that with black businesses, just getting the opportunity is not enough. Keeping the opportunity is what you want. So making sure that not only are you prepared for the success, you know how to keep the success. Acquiring business is not the same as maintaining business. And that is how you become wealthy. You maintain and you acquire new customers, but you maintain the customers that you have. That's all I'm saying. All right, so let's talk about it. So there was a shooting in North Carolina. Two people were killed, seven people were injured. I think five of which are critically injured. They said they expect more people to potentially come to the hospital. And it happened during, and somebody got hit by a car. It happened during a Juneteenth celebration at midnight in North Carolina and we they don't know who the shooters are just yet um but we got to do something about this and I think in Chicago they had like 60 shootings or something like that and I think they had another shooting in New York or something like we get there has to be some level of we can do two things at the same time we can walk and chew gum at the same time because there's this thing that's happening where we get we're hyper focused which when you're hyper anything it's gonna die out so you don't want to be hypered anything you just want to be focused but we have this hyper focus now on anything in the black community that has to do with the police or has to do with anybody white. So if there's a murder or something that happens by a police officer or somebody white, there's this higher level of vigilance for it, right? And there should be. The police should not be killing people. We should be holding them accountable. We should have laws in place. We should have a national standard. People shouldn't be using chokeholds. These are just things that are happening that should not be happening. We know that there's racist white people out there. They've always been, if you live in the United States, you should know. There's always been racist white people. Just, they're, they're just here. They're, they're not, they're, they're here. America was built on racism. So there's nothing else I can say about that. But there's this thing where if you mention that we need to get our own house in order, somehow you are anti-black. And I do want to make this very clear. It does upset me when I hear white people say that. It upsets me to a great extent when I hear white people say that. And you know, I know you're probably saying, well, that's hypocritical. Yeah, it is. And one of the reasons why I think I get so upset when they say, well, why are they not out here protesting for, you know, if another black person kills another black person? Why are they not out here protesting for black on black crime? And it upsets me. I don't like to hear it. I feel a smugness to it. And it also to me when they're saying it, it's not to try to fix it. They're saying it to divert the attention away from what's going on. In no way should crime and things in low income communities that are happening amongst black people to black people should divert your attention away from what the police are doing. It should not. those two things can be true in the same world and those two things can be fixed in the same world and that's something that we do need to look at we do need to truly have a heart to heart to figure out exactly what it is that we need to do one of the things that i think that we can do as a black community in order to make sure that we get this if you want to fix i think they go together that if we can come together and we can help to fix our communities, some of those lower income communities, 
you can say we don't need as many cops in this area. Therefore, you don't have to necessarily militarize that particular community. And it also shows that you do not need to use brute force in order to get this crime under control. Because right now, that's the narrative. That you have to be very, very tough on people in order to get crime to stop. You need to fight crime with crime. It's basically what the police are doing. And that's not how this works. If we truly believe in what we are preaching, we should be able to at least show a prototype of how this works. So if we can get into one of these communities that has really high levels of crime and we can and we can do this without them passing anything, we can just do this as a black community. If we can get together programs, grassroots programs and organizations, we can try to get them funded ourselves because we can don't if we can if we've seen some of those GoFundMe's for the families of the people, the victims who've gotten killed by police brutality, if we can raise that kind of money for these organizations in these areas, we could get this off the ground, right? So if we can donate the money and raise the money in order to get these programs working, we can try to make it work and show the prototype that it works. Look, it works. If you actually go out and talk to these people and you talk to these kids, it works. If you provide them with steady employment and you provide them with other opportunities and education, it works. So we just need to make sure that we are actually implementing it so we can show, okay, this area we use as a prototype. Look, it worked. And I say this this way because unfortunately, there's no way to magically cure racism. Now, we do need better hiring practices. And that's why I said I believe in diversity in the force. I believe getting more black people in the force will help to fix that. But in order to at least help a lot of those areas that have those high crimes that are more likely to get killed by the police, we got to stop the police from being there unnecessarily. So there's different things that you can do in order to make sure that that is not the case where you're using all this unnecessary force. If somebody's calling over like a neighborly dispute, you don't necessarily need cops to come with guns drawn. So making sure that that changes. But and also getting the crime down will also help us as a community and help other innocent black people not be killed by other innocent black people. And I get it. There's a there's this unrealistic fact or statistic out there that white people don't kill white people they do and you're more likely to be killed by somebody you know and if you're black you're more likely to know black people if you're white you're more likely to know white people but if we're talking about black lives in particular and that we are really caring about our community we can't sit here and turn a blind eye that you know 200 and i said this three times in the past three weeks 260 some odd people got killed black people got killed by unarmed black people got killed by the police which is awful you know, in 2019, but we had over 7,000 people that got killed. So we, we have to be able to have a conversation, a true conversation about what we need to do in order to fix this. We've got to be able to have both of these conversations at the same time. Having these conversations shouldn't be uncomfortable. We shouldn't be running from these conversations because if we're running from the conversations of how do we protect us from us, we're not having the conversation. We've got to be able to have both of these conversations because again, it goes together to me because one, if you can stop the interactions with police, you can stop the police from unnecessarily killing unarmed black people. And two, it shows that our lives actually do matter. It, it all is systemic really, you know, from what happened with racism and that we don't value us. Black life doesn't matter to us. Like we say that, but it it we are desensitized as a nation about black people getting killed because we have been seeing in history books and all the way from our great, great, great grandparents and their great, great, great grandparents watching black people being hung from trees and, you know, black people being shot down and sprayed with hoses. And then the brutality, the brute force that they had against us, they it still happens, but not as often. And then it just shifted from us from them to us and then the anger and aggression that they showed us we started to show us and then they no longer needed to do the work because we were doing it and we still are doing it for them this is why it makes me so upset when people don't want to have this conversation 
We need to have this conversation. There's too many mothers that have gone to funerals that have lost their children unnecessarily by a senseless, senseless crime. And it starts with changing mindset, which is a hard thing to do. It is not an easy thing to do. So it's a fight that a lot of people don't want to have because that's a hard thing to do. How do I get you to change your mind about you? That's not easy. So it's easy to want to give up. It's easy to want to get to another fight. And there have been some really big warriors out there that have been fighting against us for a while. We have, uh, what's it, ceasefires here in Baltimore. I think they have them in Chicago. There's people that have been on the ground doing this for a while. But unfortunately, they don't get the same levels of acclaim. No one is really lifting them up. No one is really supporting their movements because it is this notion that it doesn't matter. And this is why, like I said, when we have these conversations, it upsets me. Because if black people don't care, you know white people not going to care. No one's coming to that rally. No one's coming to that protest. No one's coming to that ceasefire. Because in our minds, oh, it's just black people getting killed. It's no big deal. Oh, it's a big deal. When we talk about the 13%, we only 13% of the population. When we talk about police, you have to think about that too. When we are only the 13% of the population and in murders last year, I think total in 2019, I want to say there was like 14,000 murders. Mind you, more white people killed white people. Statistic. Fact. But do you know more than half of those murders were black people? And of that, more, I think about 74 or 7,300 of them were killed by other black people. And the predominant number of those black people that were killed were killed by other black men. We cannot continue to pretend and turn a blind eye like we should not be having both conversations together. Black people, you know, people kill people all the time. It, it happens. Unfortunately, it happens. But I think back in the day, like especially when the civil rights was going on, because we had such brutality that was happening amongst black people. There was a solidarity amongst black people that we didn't. We didn't want to kill each other because they were hunting us. And like I said, the shift has changed that now we're hunting us. So we hunt us and you say the cops hunt us. Who is really protecting us? Because if we're only protecting us from cops, we got to The conversation has to expand outside of that. And not only just protecting us from cops, we also need to stop systemic racism in the police force but we also need to make sure that we have more wealth that will also change stuff we have more power we have more talking points we can say oh no we're not having that in our community we need to make sure we're looking at the housing practices that still exists systemic racism is there the wealth gap is clearly directly descended from slavery like there's a bunch of different conversations we need to all be having at the same time we're having the police defund police reform debate we need to be having these conversations together. And we need to do, like I said, uh, that prototype of what works and what doesn't work. Because the government is horrible at putting money places they don't know where to put it. And if they don't know where to put it, they're going to put it wherever they think it needs to go. And then if it's a program where you're like, oh, that program is shit. It's going to go there because they, they don't know. And to be frank, some of them don't care. It's just I can say I did. And we also need to make sure that we know who's with us truly and we know who's just kind of spinning the circle. And here's what I mean. We got a lot of people who, and, and I'm not even talking about white people, white people and black people who are just moving with the shuffles because right now this is hot. They can get some likes, they can get some retweets, they can get some, so they just jumping on the bandwagon, but they never really cared about black life and they still don't. I've talked to somebody that had on a whole Black Lives Matter Juneteenth shirt. They, you know, been talking on different places and platforms. And when I, you know, having a conversation with them about what can we do to move the community forward. Well, I'm tired, tired of talking about it now. You're tired of talking about it now when this is, you, you didn't share posts and are you, so you doing this for likes? We don't need you in the movement. Get the fuck out. If it's only going to be where you can talk about it for 
a week or you can only talk about it on a platform where you getting this extra shine and people are bigging you up but you don't want to talk about it just to actually have a true conversation about what we need to do get the fuck out of the movement we don't need showmanship we need true solidarity we need to be able to work together we need to be able to move forward and moving forward is going to take strategy it's going to take planning and it's going to take time i get it we are millennials we are the hot pocket generation we believe things happen overnight and they don't the civil rights movement to get the 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 voting rights pact of 65 you know that took it, it took him like 14 years like this is this is not over we're not even close and we already have people oh i'm I'm fatigued. I'm I'm tired of talking about it or they want to talk about it but they only want to talk about certain aspects of how to improve the black experience in the United States. We need to talk about all of it. Since the movement is happening, let's talk about all of it. But really talk to the people that really have the passion, the compassion, the understanding, the know-how that really want to move it forward. Those are the people we need in the movement. Just because somebody shows a shirt or they put up a meme or they put up a post doesn't necessarily mean that they have your best interests at heart. Solidarity is amazing, but you really have to have it. Collective front shows nothing because there's no action behind it. And to be totally honest with you, that's not scary. That's not scary to the people that you need to be shooken. They don't care about that. They're not shook. When they see memes or see posts, they get shook when they see movement, when they see action. That shakes them. When they still see you mobilized and moving, you still moving on the chessboard even after the protests have died down and the shirts have stopped, you're still moving pieces? That's scary. Like when you're, you're still calling your senator and your congressman weeks and weeks and weeks and months after this they're still being bombarded with calls that's scary when they still seeing that you're mobilizing and using your money in the black community and the black dollar is not rotating out of your hands within an hour or 30 minutes and back into their white people's hands but it's still standing in the black hands that's scary that's what you need to do we don't need showmanship we need true action. All right, let's talk about it a little bit. Let's talk about it a little bit. So there was a study that said, do men really prefer big asses? And here's some interesting information. So it was some research that was done out of the University of Texas at Austin. And they found that men are really, what they're really drawn to isn't the size of the rear end, but the curve, or more specifically, a spinal curvature that offers the illusion of a shapely booty. So here you go. So if you like me, and you got a little ump. You got a little ump. Like you don't have a real, like you don't have a badonkadonk. Like you got an ump, but you don't have a badonkadonk. Don't be scared, okay? You don't need to go under the knife. You don't need to be, you don't need to go under the knife. And the reason why you don't need to go under the knife is simply because men, it's not the meat, the booty meat in the booty back. It's the the curve in the spine is what they saying now what i don't know is if they talk to black men or if they talk to white men i don't know because you know it's a little different you know what they want um or what they find attractive but then again i guess it does depend on the guy but I, we've seen the a magnitude of this new body that has been created and i've talked about it countless amounts of time on this show but I will say that I don't I think a lot of the times when we do get these bodies as women and we get our bodies built and changed, I don't necessarily have a problem with it. But the issue that I have is most of the time it's not for you. You're doing it for the attention of men. So if you're going to do it for the attention of if you're going to do it for you, like if you wake up and say, oh, I want to get my butt done because butts being done has replaced breast implants. So people are getting their butts done more than the breast implants. And see, this is why I never jumped on a bandwagon like this. Like, sometimes I'd be like, man, I should go get some extra filler in my booty or something. But the reason why I never did it is because it's a trend. And like, everything that we see in body image tends to be trendy. So, like, 
what two in starting in like 2018 the thickness 2017 2018 the thickness was in thick bodies was in like everybody now everybody want to be thick thicker than a thicker than a snicker but now in 2020 people that we moving away from the thickness now people are starting to want to get more into the fit side we're soon starting to see people that want to be more fit than thick everything is a trend everything is a trend and so it, I, this is why because at one point the big boobs in the 90s was the thing everybody had big boobs and a flat booty like it, that, that's what we got and then now it's the booties everybody got a big booty and the flat well i guess oh not really flat chested i wouldn't say that but the big booties it's more emphasis on the booties now i wish y'all if y'all was gonna get these booties i wish y'all would focus on the hips and the thighs like if you're going in the, in the calves like if you gonna get the fillers just tell them fill your whole leg up like fluid like put some fluid in there just squeeze some jello and so it, at least it be even because some of us is walking around looking real disfigured and this is why i'm saying if you're not doing this for you and you're doing it for the attention and the allure stop because clearly in this study they're men that's not what they want they don't want that just if you i guess if you go to the i don't know if you can get a curvature can you get a can you buy a curvature i don't know if you could buy a curvature but i will say that if you can buy a curvature just buy yourself a curvature okay of the spine um just tell somebody to beat your back in and maybe it'll curve in i don't know or maybe you can because the squat then that's another thing here this is a sidebar to a sidebar i need all my girls and women out there that are selling these fucking squat shits to stop because just because you do squats it don't mean that your booty is going to turn out looking like a cardi b or Nicki minaj that's not how that works like do you know how much muscle you would have to put on in order for you to go from a flat ass to a big ass that's a lot of muscle and muscle is dense okay fat is fluffy it's big fill it and fill it up but muscle is dense so do you know how much muscle you need to fill the booty to be that big that's a lot of muscle you would have to be a fucking bodybuilder in order to fill your ass like that and then even if you did that it's no guarantee that your booty will stick out it might just be real tough like real tough steak like you had you know that back part of the steak that's real that's just grinding and it's just that's what it be and apparently that's not what men want either so if you don't want a tough booty like a booty tough like a like like teflon you don't want to be the teflon dawn booty then you might not want to go that route with the bodybuilder because it's going to be it's going to be muscle like you would have the buns of steel for real you would really have the buns of steel if that's what you out there doing so don't be selling us these fake videos because it ain't going to look like that and especially if you selling me a fake video about getting a booty when you had your butt done but you didn't tell me that that is the equivalent of somebody putting on a wig and selling me hair products for their hair which i've seen i've seen it i've seen some celebrities and people out here selling growth products for hair weave i'm like don't do that don't tell me this gonna make my hair grow knowing you got a whole bundle and i like bundles i like i like to change my hair color i like to go short long red blue green orange and you can't dye your hair like that trust me your hair will fall out because when i was a kid again another sidebar i put so many chemicals in my fucking hair trust me that's not what you want to do don't do that don't do that but it, i don't have a problem with that just don't sell it to me with the illusion that that's what this is so if you have amazing looking hair and it's a, a wig or a weave don't sell me a product that you say fixes your hair sell me the wig or the weave or don't tell me at all because it's really none of my fucking business if it's not your hair which again i don't understand that shit like why the fuck do you need to know if it's somebody's real ass or not like like you go to somebody like is that your real ass like it's none of your if unless we having sexual intercourse it's none of your business or is that your real breast not really your business that's your real hair not still not your business do i ask you what kind of drawers you got on like i just want to know why because you you're, you're it seemed firm it seemed like the drawers hold it up it seemed firm like stop 
like I, I don't I never understood it like if sometimes I feel like it's a little bit of the, just a tinge of, of jealousy depending on who's asking you because I'm like is it that you got to know that mine is not better than yours I'm like does it really matter because if it look good if I see somebody that got a nice butt a nice body or nice hair I'm just gonna come up to you and say you look good and that's it. I'm not going to ask you, is that your real ass? Is that your breasts? Did you, did you get any work done? Like, I'm not asking that. I'm just going to say, you look amazing. I wish I had a body like yours. You look amazing. And if I say I wish I had a body like yours and you decide to say, yeah, girl, you can. You know, you can go get some over at so-and-so. And then I might say, okay, girl, give me that information. But other than that, I'm not going no further past that. And it ain't none of your goddamn business. That's all I'm saying. Stop doing that to people and women. Don't get your ass done just for a man do it for you if you're gonna get your ass done and you want to get it done do it for you because that's not even what men want that's what we found here that's all i'm saying all right everybody this has been another episode of millennials anonymous podcast thank you so much for tuning in thank you so much for listening and i did say we might have a guest but it got rescheduled due to some stuff that happened so following week perhaps the following week um we'll have a guest on but thanks so much for listening and happy father's day again to everybody uh happy juneteenth to everybody who celebrated on friday have a amazing week we'll be back um well we won't have one next week the following week we'll be back the following week bye